Good evening, everyone. Episode 25 of Around the Wire. We're going to be joined in about 20 minutes with a very special guest. And we're going to be talking Cleveland Cavaliers basketball with this fine gentleman. And how are you two doing on this great evening? Happy March Madness Day. The tournament has started. The first four games have under have just started. We actually saw one game already completed, Texas Southern beating Mount St. Mary's. And right now I'm watching Drake and Wichita State in their second half. It's a low-scoring physical game. So how's everybody doing? Good. Uh, yeah, I was. I watched that game earlier, and I'm watching this game now. And I'm just excited to see some really competitive, fun uh, tournament basketball. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah, uh, I mean, that first game, I know it's only two 16 seeds, and they're probably not going to make it past their, their first game. But uh, it, it was fun to watch them go after each other. It was Competitive this was a close game right now. Drake, uh, Drake and Wichita. If I look at the score here real quick, it's oh, we're tied and we're just underway in the second half. So, uh, you know, two teams that have been uh, really solid all year long. And they, I think the winner of this game, they play USC. Am I correct by saying that? Um, so, I mean, I mean, both these teams could give uh, USC some problems. I think, Justin, you were the one that said that you would pick Wichita to beat USC. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I'm a big Drake fan, and, uh, you know, I've been a fan of them all year long, and they're actually getting their best player back. Their best player has been hurt for a while, so um, hopefully the Bulldogs can get in the tournament and make some noise. That'd be exciting. So, but speaking of games that we'd be excited about, I, I'm going to propose our poll question of the day today, which is which game in the opening round of the NCAA tournament are you look looking forward to the most? Wow. Uh, there's a lot to go through let me let me take a look real quick but chad you got one in mind i'm pulling up the uh record right now well i'll get started with my game uh i'm really looking forward to i know justin you're not a fan of these people but i'm looking forward to that loyola chicago georgia tech game sister jeans in the house and the ramblers are taking on, on the yellow jackets. don't 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 try to paint me with that that brush of i don't like the other team that's not what i said you said they would get steamrolled by 50 if they played Illinois, and you were not a big That could happen. Didn't sound very optimistic. Illinois, about Illinois looks unstoppable to me. That's all I'm saying. I'm just telling you right now, the Georgia Tech uh, Loyola Chicago game is going to be a very exciting game to watch. Georgia Tech uh, had an inspiring run in the ACC tournament. They're going to be down their best player now, but they've been resilient all year long, and they're playing a very experienced Loyola team who doesn't play as great of competition, maybe consistently. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that game. So how about you guys? What's your game that you're going to keep your eyes on? Um, I will say ooh, there's there's a couple that are really uh, enticing on the, the east part of the, the bracket. I'll go with uh, the seven-seeded UConn Huskies against Maryland because I did pick Maryland, and I think um, for the reasons that we mentioned in our, our bracket episode, that Maryland will win that game. So that'll be a good one. The 7 10 is always a good game. Absolutely. How about you, Chad? I got my eye on two. One, of course, being Oklahoma State and Liberty. Uh, Oklahoma State, of course, with Kate Cunningham. However, Liberty can shoot the lights out. Um, they led their nation, or their led the nation, I believe, in three point percentage. Um, and they shoot a clip 
of around 80% from free throw line, which is always important. That would be a good, interesting matchup. The one I'm going to keep my eye on, though, is North Carolina-Wisconsin. Uh, I personally, one of my brackets, have North Carolina going pretty far, even though they do supposedly play Baylor next round. Um, I have North Carolina going pretty far, so that would be an interesting game to watch. Yeah. And uh, I watched the pregame show uh, before the Texas Southern game, and they had Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and I think Andy Katz. They went through their final fours and Kenny Smith had North Carolina going to the final four playing Tennessee, uh, which was a very bold take in my opinion, and because they'd have to get through Baylor and Illinois on that side of that bracket in order to get there. Um, yeah, I have, uh, Carol- I have Carolina in one of mine to the lead eight. Really? You're uh, that high on North Carolina? I think they have, they have what it takes to get it done. There's a lot of teams out there that I have. Of course, I've made multiple brackets. Um, but there's a lot of teams out there. I think they have what it takes to to knock off these upper seeds. I'll have to wait and see. I know I'm, I hope Loyola Chicago gets to the Elite Eight, Justin. I know uh, I think they Sorry can beat to, Illinois. to break it to you, but they're not. And uh, and also, uh, I'm surprised neither you guys picked that OU Virginia game because you think OU is just going to handle Virginia. That's not what we, we said. Never, never said handled. Nope. False information right there, Justin. You're, so Another you're game. I, well, if, why'd you if pick him in the next round too? Then? If we're talking about a game that we should watch, would be the one that's tomorrow: Ohio State and Oral Roberts. I think but, people are under. I mean, I texted Justin this. I think people are underestimating this game, but we'll see. Are you saying the Buckeyes should be are in trouble tomorrow? Is that what you're saying? Well, every team's in trouble when they when they play when they step on the floor. Either team is. You're you're what? you're you're a threat to lose or win when you're on the floor. Because so I'm saying Oral Roberts has has components of their game with to the ability to be Ohio State, in my opinion. Do I think it's a high possibility? No, because it's a 15-2 seed. However, Oral Roberts has what it takes, in my opinion. And also, if it is a close game for down the stretch, you know Ohio State's not great at closing out games. So I, I see what you're saying there. I mean, the, um, biggest, the biggest thing for me is how well Oral Roberts can shoot the ball. Um, they shoot at an extremely high clip if you space out Ohio State's def- defense. Um, I-, I could see a way where they can control the ga- the most part of the game, and then it could come down to a to a uh, you know a last possession or last two possessions. I mean, I could be completely wrong. However, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I mean, Ohio State is the one thing about them, even though they don't close games very well they they're resilient though they, they always they, they find a way to fight back and then they can never hold that that lead once they come back into these games so hopefully we can have a relatively easy first round and um we can I'll keep my eyes another game i guess i could say keep my eyes on the first game tomorrow of the entire tournament will be florida virginia tech and if ohio state would win they would play the winner of that game so i'm going to keep my eyes on that maybe a possible scouting report of how i would feel in that either matchup against Ohio State. So um, so anyway, uh, that's a little bit of our poll question of the day. We'll put it out on our Twitter page after this episode airs. Uh, let us know what your, the game that you're looking forward to the most. And, um, you know, hopefully all the games are exciting. You know, I don't want to see any blowouts. Hopefully those 16 seeds give one seeds a run for their money and make the tournament really fun. So, but before we, uh, well, well, never mind. Uh, We'll transition a little bit before we get into Cavalier basketball with our guest in about yeah, about 10, 12 minutes. Uh, NFL free agency has just been wild. It's been a blaze. And I've probably been annoying you too with how many tweets I've been sharing with you about all the moves that have been going on. But 
Uh, I find it fascinating, all the movies. It's turning into the NBA chat in terms of this off-season movement. Um, it's starting to trend that way. And the Browns have made some moves since our last episode. When uh, we had our last episode, John Johnson would had just signed. And then since then, the Browns found their pass rush complement to Miles Garrett, who is uh, tech, is it Takarist? Takarist? Takarist, but I, I always see it as tech, so... We'll call him Tack. That's easier to say. Tack McKinley on a one-year, $4 million deal seems like a little bit of a a, a, a weight, just a, a no-risk, uh, high-reward scenario possibly for the Browns. Um, young guy, 25 years old. He's had a decent career so far. He's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. But, uh, you know, what, Justin, what were your thoughts on the move to get McKinley? Uh, yeah, like we talked about before, it's um... – we didn't overpay any of the other guys like uh, JJ Watt. I'm, I'm now beginning to think, you know, we didn't uh, offer the most money for him and we didn't offer the most money for uh, Okwara or Dupree or any of those other guys um, that were the big names Lawson. But I, I like this move because he is so young. He's 25 and it's not a big deal um, as far as money goes. And if he does have a good year, we can always try to resign him. But um yeah, we just, we've signed two 25-year-olds so far, and then we'll get into the, the Troy Hill later. But, um, yeah, I like this move, and this frees them up to maybe um, take a chance on someone later in the draft uh, to supplement the pass rush. But I like this deal um, for those reasons. Yeah, and uh, Chad, I know we've had many discussions about who the Browns maybe should sign to, to complement Miles Garrett. Was there a particular guy that the Browns didn't sign that you were really – maybe disappointed that they didn't pursue harder or are you happy with McKinley like Justin is? No, um, I'm pretty content. Mostly happy about the signing of course of John Johnson, because I believe that that secondary did need help. And the more I look at these two signings, because McKinley's not a bad pass rusher. The more I look at these two signings, I look at, I'm like, well, to an extent, I'm kind of okay with us not signing JJ Watt. Um, just for the money restrictions by itself i mean if we throw a load of money at jj watt that limits what we can get what we can spread our money out with with everything else so i think losing out on jj watt was kind of a blessing in disguise yes he is a great pass rusher with miles garrett however our team is actually getting the attention that it needs um in the positions that they need to actually make us a, a legit um playoff contender next year yeah, and the one thing about this move, it brings uh, another young player. That's the thing. We don't have a 33-year-old guy who's on the decline of his career. We have a young guy who maybe could be just going into the prime of his career for a cheap contract, so we never know. Um, now let's get to the second move. That and it's, uh, We've re-signed a couple guys. We re-signed Malcolm Smith, and thank the Lord Jesus Christ himself, we re-signed Richard Higgins to, again, another team-friendly deal. I'm so happy about that. I love Richard Higgins. I might get myself a jersey next season, but um, – the other big move that we've made, and I'll start with Chad on this one, is Troy Hill from the Rams, another guy from this Los Angeles secondary. Led the led, I didn't realize this, led the NFL in defensive touchdowns last season. Uh, and he's been rated the top, according to Pro Football Focus, the top slot corner in the league. So is this possibly another steal for the Browns, Chad? Yeah, I didn't really know much or really I didn't know anything about him until the information you just gave me. Um, I look at it as – you say he's a slot corner, right? Yep. I could look primarily, at him as primarily, but apparently he can play the outside. I was saying I can look at him as like, you know, that fallback option. If of course we know 
guys on our guys on our team get hurt or guys on our team can't stay on the field. And that's a viable, viable kind of guy you can put on the, on the field and make an impact. So, I mean, the more the depth, more depth, the better. It's kind of not like football is not like any other sport where, you know, you can rock with one or two guys per position. Like you got to have depth because knowing how hard that game is out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm cool with it. Yeah, Justin, uh, this was a very this this was a move that apparently a lot of people thought was a very underrated, but could be a big reward for the Browns, especially with us losing Terrence Mitchell. I just saw Kevin Johnson sign with the Tennessee Titans and Tavier Thomas as well. So we have some holes to fill in that secondary. So, Justin, what were your thoughts on Troy Hill? Yeah, it certainly seems like it'll be a good move going forward. It seems like um, he's the same age as Mitchell that we just lost, and uh, he's he, He's better looking at the stats. Good tackler, uh, as you said, three picks and some defensive touchdowns. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with Greedy Williams in terms of how much he plays. Um, and I'll kind of decide whether he plays more boundary or in the slot. But um, it'll be a good move to add some depth to that secondary. And then, like you said, with those other guys leaving, you know, we can just draft some young guys to kind of fill in and get some experience playing behind. Uh, a one-year-older, a Denzel Ward, and now a Troy Hill, who's a veteran. So, and It seems like in a matter of a week, the Browns went from a secondary consisting of uh, one on the field, Denzel Ward, Terrence Mitchell, Robert Jackson, MJ Stewart, and Tavier Thomas, along with safeties of Ronnie Harrison, Anderson, Dejo, that's, that's a whole other thing, and Carl Joseph to now. We're looking at a team of when they're all healthy, and hopefully they are, Denzel Ward. Maybe a Greedy Williams lives up to a potential. You got uh, Troy Hill now. Uh, they still probably need they need another corner. They'll probably go out and sign somebody, maybe on the cheaper end, just somebody to fill in that four or five slot. Uh, but then the back end, the safeties, you're looking at Delpit. He'll be back next year, hopefully. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, John Johnson, starting to look like a decent secondary. And Chad nailed it right on the head when he was talking about what do the Browns need to address first. He's nailed it so far. They're right. They're focused on that secondary, and they got a cheap pass pressure. So, um Maybe they go out and maybe look at some linebackers and free agency or wait till the draft and start building young again, you know, because they got a nice young core on that defense. They just need some more experience. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but how about other than the Browns, what has been the one move that's either made you say, yep, they're right now with the winners of the off season so far or saying, wow, that was a really shocking or surprising move. What's a move that's surprised you guys so far? Well, I would say, uh, maybe shocking, and this seems like the easy answer, but uh, just what the Patriots are doing, especially if I had to pinpoint a move, uh, the two tight ends they signed, you know, um, and they spent a lot of money on them, Johnny Smith and um, Hunter Henry. So that was interesting. And then uh, we talked about this a little bit, a little bit shocking with how hard the Cardinals are going all in now. Um, after they signed Watt, they just got AJ Green, they trade for Rodney mm -hmm. Hudson. So this is a team that has a young quarterback and some young pieces on the defense and now is going all in, uh, maybe with a declining Seattle team now. And then um, some other teams in that division that, are, that struggled last year. So uh, that's what I would say. Now, how about you, Chad? Has there been a move that's really uh, caught you by surprise so far, other than the Browns? I'll stick with the Patriots. I think their signing of Matthew Judon was one that really beefed up their defense. Um, him and Dante Hightower will be nice together. Um, other than that, I mean, the Patriots now revolved themselves from a seven and nine team last year 
to half their guys missing. I mean, his sitting out to now this year, they look full strength to a point where they can make a they can make a legitimate run. I mean, these guys, of course, have to come out and prove themselves before we can jump on any type of train like that. Uh, the guy I'm looking at most is Cam Newton. Um, you know, with his performance last year, it wasn't the greatest after he got COVID. Um, but, you know, Bill Belichick knows what he's doing, and he's going to coach those guys up. I, I do believe that the Patriots will get will, – will go pretty far um, next year. Yeah, and I, I had this conversation yesterday with Justin. Um, you look at the AFC now. If everybody lives up to their paper potential – I'm going to talk about you know, what it looks like right now on paper. Every division in the AFC has three teams who can – make the playoffs and possibly one to two who can make it to the Super Bowl. You know, you look at the AFCs, Buffalo, they're starting to turn into one of the perennial contenders in the AFC. Miami's going to have a team next year that'll be really solid. And then now you got New England, if they live up to the potential that their roster is showing, you know, and Cam Newton has a better year next year. You look at a team right there under Bill Belichick that can do, do anything, you know. AFC North, Cleveland Browns, good football team, going to make a playoff run next year. Uh, Pittsburgh will always be in the conversation. Then you got the Baltimore Ravens who won the division or excuse me, or, um, didn't win the division, but they have former NFL MVP and they're just, their system that they run is very efficient. Um, which by the way, Baltimore, I'm surprised they haven't gone out and made a hard pursuit of a talented receiver. You know, I'm surprised maybe a guy like Kenny Galladay hasn't been, a, you know, a feature target unless they're waiting for the draft. I don't know. Uh, but it seems like the one weakness in Baltimore is, the pass game, Lamar Jackson, maybe he's not the greatest passer, but also what does he have to throw to other than uh, what's his face, Mark Andrews. So uh, I, I think they need, you know, maybe it, it's still very early, but you know, the Ravens, I'm surprised I haven't seen any receivers uh, been heavily pursued by the Ravens. But uh, if you were to ask me the move that I thought was really exciting was I loved Washington's move to get Curtis Samuel. Loved it. I, you know, he, he's like a, like a, a jack of all trades. You want to put him in the backfield and, and run some sweeps and some different run plays. You can do that. You want him to go deep on a go route. He can do that. You want him to run a slant route and underneath route and use his speed to his advantage. He can do that. He's the guy that, you know, Ron Rivera can use anywhere on the field. And he and Terry McLaurin are going to be a great duo uh, for whoever's going to be the starting quarterback, whether it's my man, Taylor Heineke, or if it's Ryan Fitzmagic, who is, that's a guy, another surprising move. He's out of Miami. He's in down to Washington. Maybe, is he going to be the starter? Is he going to be, is it going to be like the Tua Ryan Fitzpatrick relationship again in Washington? I don't know. Um, what what do you think? Uh, what do you think about the move with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Justin? Uh, yeah, I like it for for Washington. Um, it's almost like a straight swap for Alex Smith. Um, the way they're both aging veterans who have plenty of experience, and Fitzmagic, we saw him. Uh, for Miami against the Raiders, he was electric. And those times when he would come in late in games, he was awesome. Um, but, yeah, I like this because um, their defense is already pretty good. They need another linebacker, I think. But the front four on the defensive side and then uh, some of the secondary is really good. They just signed William Jackson from the, the Bengals. Um, but if they get some pieces on offense like they did with Curtis Samuel and they have Antonio Gibson, they just signed Lamar Miller. Uh, they just need the right guy at the helm for a year. And I think that could be Fitz magic. And at the very least he can mentor Heineke. I'm telling you Taylor Heineke. I'm telling, I'm telling you, you need to buy into that whole Taylor Heineke. I, I have faith in the man, especially on the contract that he has. I think it's going to be great for Washington. Um, 
So as we wait our guest, oh, never mind, here he is. Our guest has arrived. He is, ladies and gentlemen, the official voice of Cleveland Cavaliers Radio, the play-by-play announcer in his second season with the Cavaliers. And he is the former WELL AM 930 sports director. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to welcome Tim Alcorn to the show. Tim, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing great. Uh, It's been uh, a a crazy season for you so far. How's everything been with uh, the pandemic and, and everything with this crazy NBA season? Yeah, it's been a season like no other. I mean, obviously, as you just alluded to, the pandemic has affected everything that we do as far as the broadcast side is concerned. Uh, the home games, we're still in the Joe Tate Perch at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. So uh, that, in essence, is still the same, although there isn't any you know, face-to-face or personal interaction with the coaches or the players that we've had in years past. Everything is done just as we're doing here tonight via Zoom. So uh, I haven't been in the locker room all year. I haven't been to a practice all year or a shoot-around. Everything is done via video. And then, of course, uh, for the road games, uh, that's where the big change is. Uh, You know, for years, forever, uh, NBA announcers have traveled with their teams. And so, Uh, that has not occurred this year. So all of the road games that you hear on the Cavs radio network, uh, you mentioned WEOL. They're one of the stations on the network. Uh, Every time you hear a road game, Jim Jones and I are actually uh, in a production studio at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and we're calling the game off video monitors. So that's a unique way to do it. Uh, The Cavalier production team has been unbelievable insofar as getting us as many camera uh, angles and as many camera feeds as they can. Uh, The NBA has been great as a league. Every arena uh, is required to send all of the in-house arena sound and announcements and so forth uh, up to the satellite so that the visiting teams can receive all of that sound. So as I sit in front of the screen and actually call the game off the monitor, uh, as I'm wearing the, the headset microphone, I'm hearing the whistles, I'm hearing the buzzers, I'm hearing, you know, the, the players and the officials chatting a little bit. So there's a sense, there's a feel that I'm there, even though I'm not. That's the biggest change. Right. And I, I was going to ask you next, uh, you, you mentioned Jim Jones. Uh, what's it like working uh, with a guy like Jim Jones? You know, he's a great player in Cavs history and, and it seems like, like a great guy. So what's it like working with Jim? Oh, Jim's awesome. He, he's just tremendous. And as you said, a Cavalier legend, but not only that, uh, an NBA championship ring. Uh, after he left the Cavaliers, he went to Los Angeles and played for the Lakers. He was on the Laker championship team with Kareem and Magic and Worthy, Norm Nixon. So, you know, he's he's been to the very, very top. He's reached the pinnacle. So he knows what it takes to win an NBA championship. But He's a great guy. He has such a wonderful personality, and I think that comes through on the radio. But he also has this wealth of basketball knowledge. You don't play with the likes of Kareem and Magic and those guys and and not have the, uh, you know, just that that unbelievable experience to draw on. So Jim is incredible. I love working with Jim, and I knew Jim before I got the Cavs job. Uh, He had been on a WEOL show that I did for many years. He had been on that several times, but to really get to know him as my broadcast partner has been special. I, I really like working with Jim. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can bet, you know, it's, 
it's like I bet you all the stories that he's probably told you about his experiences playing not just with the Cavs but you know playing with Kareem and Magic and all that that's got to be a rewarding experience just to listen to that so absolutely um, yeah what's this Wasilek pass- guy going to get a question in yeah I was going <laughs> to say remember I remember him I remember I was, him absolutely I was about to pass it on to either Justin or Chad so whoever wants to go first go right ahead I'll take it uh so Tim, the, the Cavs have struggled uh, quite a bit of recently, and I just want to know, despite how the way we finished this season, uh, what are some positive takeaways um, that you can take away from how the team has played? Um, have we finally found our backcourt combination? Are there any other, other positive things to take away? Oh, I think there's a lot of positive things, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll disagree a little bit with you as far as uh, how negative things have gone. We won four of the last five before the all-star break and should have won that fifth game had the big lead against Indiana right before the break. And uh, Darius Garland went out with the injury and boy, the Cavs are an entirely different team when Darius Garland isn't on the floor. So they ended up losing that game because they really didn't have that flow offensively without Darius out there. Uh, It was a tough three game losing streak to start the second half of the year. Those three road games uh, with new Orleans, Atlanta, and then Miami, I think that fourth quarter against Miami really demonstrated some grit and some fight with the team though. And I think they carried that into the Boston game. That's a nice win for the Cavaliers that win over the Celtics. Granted Boston's been struggling, but you know what? Uh, when a team's in the mix of a playoff hunt and they've got the likes of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and you know, Marcus smart, uh, that's a good basketball team. And the Cavs really staved off those challenges from the Celtics. So good win for the Cavs. Um, so I, I think they found their footing a little bit, the backcourt situation. I, I think they have found their backcourt. I think Darius Garland is really proving to be, uh, an NBA point guard. He's now more comfortable in that role, uh, had a tough rookie season. I don't think anybody would deny that nor would, nor would DG as we like to call him, but he worked his butt off during the off season and really came into camp ready to go. And, I think that's been demonstrated. Colin Sexton is just a scorer. I mean, he is a scoring machine. More often than not, he's going to get you 20 to 25 every single ball game. So I think they are comfortable with the backcourt. Um, Isaac Okoro, as far as the front court is concerned, his offensive game is coming along. And they knew when they drafted him back in November, he was ready to play NBA defense. And boy, they've put him on the other team's best offensive player night in and night out. I'm sure, you know, he's been beat a few times when you're going up against NBA All-Stars, you are. But I think Okoro for uh, starting the year at 19 years old and now 20 uh, has demonstrated himself very well and his offensive game is coming. Uh, I love Jared Allen, the center who they acquired from Brooklyn. Uh, His upside is just phenomenal. Four-year pro and he's only 22 years old. And then uh, Larry Nance Jr. is another piece to build around. So that core nucleus, I, I think the Cavs have some terrific pieces there. Obviously, you have to add to that. That's what makes you a, a playoff caliber team and hopefully a championship caliber team. But, well, you look at that young core of players, and I think it's pretty promising. Yeah, uh, pass it to Chad here and let, uh, get the question in there. Yeah, I was focusing – I'm going to focus on last night's game. As we know, Cleveland beat Boston. Uh, Sexton had 29, Garland had 25. I look and well, Nance had a double double as well. I look at the team, and Garland shot 16 times last night, and Sexton shot 20 times last night. 
And I don't. I want to get your opinion on this. I mean, if if those kind of guys come out every night and shoot that amount that amount of shots and shooting at a good field goal percentage, I feel like. I mean, we'll we'll be in every single game, in my opinion. Correct. So, is your is your question is should they be shooting that many shots or? No, I was just asking the question as in if you, I didn't know if you agree with me or not. If I do, you know, I do. I mean, listen, the Cavs' primary scorers are going to be Garland and Sexton. They're going to get their points out of the backcourt. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons that J.B. Bickerstaff has talked about the fact that uh, they want to get Isaac Okoro more comfortable in that offensive role. Uh, they really relied on him in the first half of the year to be that defensive guy, but uh, when you're playing the three spot, when you're playing that small forward, uh, you have to score some points. It just comes with the job in the NBA. So uh, I think that's why they're working with Isaac on developing the offensive game to to have that third option aside from Garland and Sexton, as Larry showed last night. Uh, when he gets going offensively, he can be a threat. He had 18 points last night, knocked down a couple of three balls. So, yeah, it's uh, it, there's there needs to be other components to the offense. But Garland and Sexton, they're going to shoot the majority of the shots. That's just the way the offense is structured. And, and they're the guys right now that are knocking down those shots. Yeah, uh, Tim, I was going to pick up a question here. Um, the whole situation with Andre Drummond, you know, it's kind of evolved. And now he's, he's not playing until he either gets bought out or traded. Have you heard anything about maybe some possible destinations for Andre? Is there any... Is there that one rumor that's starting to pick up some steam maybe within the organization that you think could happen soon with Andre? Well, I hate to tell you guys, I am not on Kobe Altman's speed dial. He doesn't call me uh, with every phone call that he makes. So, uh, and as I mentioned before, now there's very limited interaction uh, between the broadcasters and the team insofar as, you know, just chatting with a front office person or with JB or the players. Um, now last year, you know, there was a lot of interaction, but circumstances this year, uh, have obviously made that impossible. So, uh, no, I mean, I read the, the same basketball reports that you read and follow the same guys on Twitter. And so, uh, right now there's a lot of chatter out there trade deadline, of course, uh, March 25th and, uh, Kobe, I think is going to wait this thing out right until the very end to see what the best possible deal is, uh, that he's going to be offered for Andre Drummond. Uh, and I think the games between now and March 25th will determine that. If you see a team uh, that perhaps might have been interested in Drummond drop back a few games in the playoff hunt, all of a sudden their interest may wane. Whereas if a team gets on a little bit of a run here in the next week or so and rips off three or four straight wins and all of a sudden finds themselves in a real fight for a playoff spot and they think Drummond could be that piece, maybe their interest grows. So I think there's suitors out there. Uh, I think, conversations will certainly percolate and pick up as we get closer to that deadline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause we, we've talked about that multiple times, you know, we had, uh, we talked with Jay Crawford a few weeks ago and, and he mentioned uh, the Boston Celtics uh, as being that team that could use that good center figure. And, you know, they have the, the pieces, young guys with Tatum and Brown, but they seems like they've been lacking a little bit in the inside. And so a guy like Drummond maybe could fit into their system a little bit better than, uh, Daniel Tice or whatnot. So um, we'll just have to wait and see on that one, you know. Exactly. Uh, and again, I think that's the same for Kobe Altman. Uh, you know, Kobe's not doing his job if he doesn't take every call and listen to every offer and kind of weigh them all out. And I mean, that's what the GM does. And so, uh, you know, 
whether it's the Celtics, whether it's the Nets, whether it's the Knicks. I mean, there's, I'm reading the same teams that you're reading, some out West. Uh, you know, go, we will sift through those and, you know, try to work any leverage that he might have and, and deal, all, uh, deal uh, Drummond when the time comes. Yeah, I'm going to pass it on to whoever wants to go next. Either you, Justin, Chad, whoever. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the the young core that we can build around, and um, there's still some components missing. What What do you think our biggest need is that we need to address, either the draft or free agency wise? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think if Okoro develops at the three spot uh, offensively, uh, the three spot could take care of itself. But again, if he doesn't, then then you got to see where the best fit for him is going to be. Um, you know, the four spot remains a question mark. Uh, Kevin Love with, with some age and obviously really battling through some injury issues here the past couple of years. So I'm sure that's something that the Cavaliers will, will take a look at. To me, just looking at this team, boy, it'd be love to send, you'd love to have somebody that can go outside that three-point arc night in and night, night out and just knock down shots, a, a pure offensive weapon uh, from outside because it would really open things up for Garland and Sexton on their drives. And if they had that pure outside shooter, uh, I think that would go a long ways to improving what they're doing on the offensive end. Yeah, and real quick, you know, a guy I've always had high hopes for, Dylan Windler, that mm-hmm. outside threat and just it's a matter of him staying healthy, number one, and then just continuing to grow. He's such a young player, but we watched him at Belmont and especially in the NCAA tournament. Uh, he, he was a knockdown guy and he was such a big threat offensively uh, for Belmont. So, well, and I, yeah, I would agree with you. And I think, uh, you know, you look back a, a few games ago when he had nine threes in a row. So he has the capability of being an outstanding, you know, outside shooter. He can knock it down from beyond the arc. Of course, uh, for Dylan Windler, the, the issue is this is his rookie year. I mean, he lost all of last year. And so, He's really not only fighting uphill in regards to missing the season, but getting acclimated to life in the NBA and, and the NBA game and defenses adjusting to him. But, uh, you know, I, I would agree with you on that, Steve. I think he has the opportunity perhaps to become that guy. I don't know if it would be in a starting role, uh, but certainly a guy that come off the bench and just be that outside threat for you. Uh, Dylan Windler has that capability. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chad, you got anything? Yeah, we've talked many times on this podcast, us three, about the Cavs' like true identity of the team. Because, I mean, it's in question of like, of course, you're the GM and the coach is going to put out a lineup or a team on the floor every night to go out and win win basketball games. That's the NBA. However, the Cavs have been, you know, it's been a rocky road. According, I mean, of course, with injuries, you know, we pick up wins so often with contenders like the Nets, Sixers, Celtics, and then drop games against. You know, no, no shade against the Knicks or the Knicks are good this year. Um, I'm looking at this, but what, what is your opinion really about their, their true identity this year? Do you think um, like a rebuilding type phase? I mean, of course they're competing. However, we're looking at like a top, a top 10 ish draft pick. Uh, that's a good question. And I don't think the, the real identity of the Cavs has been revealed because of all the injuries. Uh, you know, I think the team that JB thought he was going to have in training camp uh, isn't the team that he has seen yet because the injuries and then, of course, the uh, the trade to bring in Jared Allen and Torian Prince and that kind of 
reshuffled the deck a little bit. Now the situation with Andre Drummond. So a lot of those things that he thought would happen uh, haven't happened. And it's been circumstances beyond his control. But I think the identity of this team is that they're going to play hard. Uh, JB just doesn't take it any other way. If you, if you don't play hard, you're not going to play. So they have a lot of grit. They have a lot of resiliency. Um, you know, to your point, I think they, they've had some quality wins this year. You alluded to a few of them, uh, the Brooklyn wins, the Philly win in Philly. That win last night over Boston was a nice win. So, you know, you need those type of victories when you're building so that a team can believe in itself and believe in the system that JB's installing. I know these guys play their butts off for JB and they really like him as the head coach. So his philosophy and his system uh, is, is a selling point to these players and they believe in it. So, you know, where they will end up, who knows? That's why you play the game and we'll see how the injuries play out. I know, I know they'd like to be battling for at least a, a play in spot. These young kids need the opportunity to play in, pressure type of games in the month of May, just to feel what that's like. That, that's an entirely different mentality. Uh, when you go out there on the floor, knowing you need to win, not that they're not competing November or this year, we started in December, but not that they're not competing in those months, but when you're in pressure packed games, that's a great learning experience. That's valuable. So I think the Cavs would love to be in that situation as we get to mid May. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And it's hard because I do – I look at the team, I'm like, we have the talent to even be a borderline playoff playoff team, you know, seven or six, six to eight seed. Uh, but it's tough to build that chemistry when you have guys in and out of rotations, in and out of lineups, and all the turmoil that's been going around. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I won't ever deny how hard these kids play. Cause, I mean, I watched, watched a game last night, and, yeah, they gave it their all. So, Absolutely. Well, even a situation, I mean, he seems like a, a minor player in the in the grand scheme of things, but not having Delhi. You know, I talked earlier about not having that backup point guard when Darius comes out of the ball game. And listen, Delhi is a coach on that floor. He's a veteran. He plays hard. He can direct the offense. Not going to get you 20, 25 points or a double-double with assists or anything like that. But there won't be a great big dip, you know, if DG goes to the bench and, and Delhi would have come in. We haven't seen it all year long, first with the concussion and now more recently with the appendectomy. So, you know, those are things that just happen out of JB's control. And so the true identity of the team, as you said, really hasn't revealed itself. Let's hope uh, with 32, 34 games remaining, uh, we get that opportunity. Any of you guys have any other Cavs related questions, either of you? No, nope. no. Okay, Cavs well then, you know, that, you know that that Waslick guy, he's got to get a Cavs poster up behind him there. I'm oh, seeing, no. um, seeing well, guys. I don't have it on this part of my camera, but I do have a, a tiny little Matthew Delvadova fathead on my wall. <laughs> of that guy. All right, all right. His, his 2015 heroics, I, I will always remember his effort. He will always be a legend written. for that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when a guy has to go to the hospital and get the <laughs> fluids intravenously because he's completely dehydrated himself. I mean, that's the effort he gave. And, and he always plays like that. Always. He's the yeah. guy you love on your team and you hate him when he's on the other team because he's just that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> so Tim, uh, not a non-Cavs related question. Uh, NCAA tournament just got underway. Which team do you think is going to win the national championship this year in your bracket? 
Uh, well, as much as I hate to say this because <laughs> it's CSU's opening round opponent, I like Houston. I think Houston's a really good college basketball team. So, you know, I, I, and I'm amazed at what CSU has done. It's a great story for Northeast Ohio. It's a great story as far as Cleveland is concerned and that Viking basketball program, but boy, they got, they got a bad draw. Uh, I like Houston and I think Houston uh, is, is going to win it. I really do. Yeah. Well, I, I'm being honest. One of my brackets I have, I have Houston winning it. I've watched them multiple times and when they're, when they're all, when they're hundred percent clicking in, man, they are, a tough team to beat. They yes, have they weapons are. all over the place. I can shoot and they can, they're aggressive. So, yeah. Yep. Um, no doubt. You know, it's a lot better this year to have March Madness than it was last year without, I'll say that. Just yeah, to watch I mean, all that basketball. Yeah, I cannot imagine, you know, your first season with the Cavaliers and then having this season just out of nowhere, just abrupt and it just, it stopped. And, uh, you know, that couldn't have been easy for your first season and, and such a great job that you were able to get. Uh, yeah, you know, my first two seasons really have been abnormal per se. Uh, as you alluded to, that first year last year just, boom, comes to a stop just like that uh, with 17 games to go. And then this year, as I talked about before, you know, at least I'm calling the games in the arena for the home games, but, you know, 4,000 fans, and that's better than what we had, but not like 20. And of course, uh, the road games being in the studio. So maybe the third year will be the charm. Will I just get right. a 82 games, maybe some playoff games, uh, you know, traveling with the team again? Maybe the right. third year will be the charm. Yeah, I mean, look, we can only hope, you know, things start looking good. You know, we get vaccines rolling out and uh, next, maybe next year, maybe in terms of not having a full crowd, but at least, you know, you as broadcaster, you can get into the arenas travel with the team and, and make it as, as normal as possible, you know? Yep. So, I'm looking forward uh, to that, but there's yeah. still a lot of basketball to be played this year. So it's still some so work my, to be. Right. My final question for you, um, take away the Cavs because you watch them all the time. What is the one team that has impressed you the most this season? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously they haven't had Embiid, but I like Philadelphia. I think Doc Rivers is just a phenomenal coach. And whatever he has said or done to uh, get that Simmons-Embiid combination working, uh, hats off to him because that thing had really become unglued in Philadelphia. Here they had these two outstanding players and they couldn't play together, but uh, Doc has figured out how to make that work. And, um, you know, I know – from what you hear, from what you hear, or from what you see and read, uh, they may be looking for a, a deal at the deadline. But uh, I like Philadelphia. I really do. Haven't, I haven't watched enough of Brooklyn. I know the, the big three for them uh, has certainly had their success. Milwaukee struggled early. So there's a lot of chatter out there that just maybe they don't have the team to win it all. So as far as the teams in the East that I've seen, uh, I really like Philly. And boy, you got to credit New York. Uh, the Knicks under Tom Thibodeau have really put together a solid season after some dismal years in the Big Apple. So Thibodeau's a good coach. He's a demanding coach, but those guys have responded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think with the Knicks, their only all-star really has been Julius Randle, but it's been those young guys that have stepped up and have really bought into what Coach Thibodeau's uh, been preaching there. So Absolutely. Um, and then quickly – 
I'll tell you what, he, he's a nice guard. I mean, they really found something with him. Yeah, I watched him play in, at Kentucky. I'm a big Kentucky basketball fan. And he was that one guy that, that was a, not really a standout on the team because, you know, everyone else was playing collectively. And that wasn't one of Kentucky's best teams, but definitely a guy that you can see, okay, this guy can, you know, score in the next level and he's showing it. I mean, no discredit towards LaMelo Ball, but, uh, I mean, Manuel quickly has to be up there in some some type of rookie of the year runnings or races. Oh, absolutely. He'll get votes. He'll get recognition. And certainly as far as uh, the all-rookie team, now, again, we got half a season to go or a little less than that, but Quickly's name is going to be talked about a lot. He was a real fine for the Knicks, no doubt. Anything else, fellas? Yeah, I got one more. Uh, one more? So – uh, Ohio State in the tournament, their bracket um, in their region, they have Baylor and they have some tough teams like Texas Tech. Uh, how far do you see the Buckeyes going in the tournament? Well, it's interesting. I, I don't think they go into the tournament with a lot of momentum. Um, you know, if they had really been playing well down the stretch, that they had things rolling, and then they really hit that tough stretch of basketball, and, and sometimes that's hard to get back. And you know, whether that's high school, whether that's college, whether it's NBA playoffs, sometimes it's the hot team uh, rather than the best team that suddenly gets on that roll and makes a run. And so, you know, I, I was surprised Ohio State got as high a seed as they did because they really struggled down the stretch. I know that win, uh, you know, over Michigan certainly helped that. But um, not that I think they're going to get beat in the first round or anything like that, but I, I don't see them as a as even maybe an elite eight or final four team. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know, they've dropped those four straight at the very end of the regular yeah. season. And then they, they, I know they won uh, three straight in the big 10 tournament, but those were some grinded out. And I mean, the Purdue game went to overtime. They really should have right. lost that Michigan game. Um, I think that was just mismanaged at the end there by Michigan, but you know, Hey, you know what? In the NCAA, NCAA tournament, it's, it's a brand new season. You know, it's just one game at a time. That's all you got to focus on. Everything else doesn't matter. So, and so often you see that boy, a team gets hot or they win a first or second round game in a, in a way that they shouldn't have, but all of a sudden they believe and they've got confidence and, you know, they'll get on a little bit of a run. And, and that's the fun part of March Madness. So it's great to have it back this year. Yeah. So. You know, Tim, we appreciate you. You're in the middle of the NBA season. You're a busy guy, but we really do appreciate you sitting down and talking to us a little bit. Appreciate your insight. Appreciate your uh, your thoughts on everything. And uh, we wish you the best with the rest of the season and moving forward. No, this has been fun. I've enjoyed it. So anytime you guys want to have me back, uh, I'll be more than glad to chat. Now, where are the each, where are the three of you right now? Who's where? Like as far as your actual location. I'm at home. I just came home this week uh, from school. I, I go to Bowling Green, but I came home for a little bit, so I'm in my room, actually. All right. Chad, where are you? Are you home as well? No, I'm in my dorm. I go to Bowling Walls University. Oh, very good. All right. Wasilek, how about you? Yeah, I'm at home in my room right now. Uh, I'm online this semester at Akron, so. Oh, good for you. Good for you. So a couple of Mac guys and BW. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a Kent State guy, so, you know, I'll take that, Mac. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And anytime you want to have me back, uh, you know, just contact me and we'll figure out a time. Absolutely, Tim. We really do appreciate it. Take care. All right. You guys, too. Thank you. All right.
Tim is a great guy. I mean, it, Tim, you know, he worked here in high, he worked with high school sports at WOL for such a long time. And he was, he's, he's an automatic legend for high school in, in around our area, but um, he, he's a great radio guy for the Cavs. He, he buys into that energy and he, he is much deserving of that play by play role. So, um, and Justin, I believe uh, your mom, did she graduate with Tim or did she go to high school with Tim? She went to high school with Tim and graduated a year after him, I believe. So, but I mean, yeah. you, you got that personal connection in a way. Yeah. But you know, he's excellent. His, I love his voice. His voice is awesome. Oh, yeah. It's just a radio voice. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, the guys who can really, you know, drop it down and, you know, bring it up and he has that, that natural, just, you know, he's a guy that you can just listen to all day, 24 seven. So yeah. yeah, he's a really good find for the Cavaliers and, and, Maybe down the line, he can work his way into that TV play-by-play role, you know, so, uh, which would be well-deserved, so. Um, yeah, and uh, Chad, I liked your question, you know, the team identity. I wanted to get his thoughts. He's really, you know, he's the one that watches them all, every single game, literally, you know, so, um, you know, I think he had a good, you know, I liked what he said. And I don't think they're rebuilding. They're just building. I, the rebuild, I think, has like a negative connotation to it. That build is just, there, there are some injuries away injury, you know, non-injuries away and, and whatnot and some development away. So, um, so fellas, I have something prepared for today. If you guys are ready for it, mm-hmm. I think, you know, what I'm hinting towards Chad, Are you excited for what I'm about to show? Yeah, man. Come on, Chad. I, I want to hear say. something. I know what you're just saying, man. Do you, what, what do you think I'm going to say, do. Chad? Everyone know everyone that's listening knows what you're gonna say. So just say it. Well, all right. Ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> it's time for legend or not. Is the volume good by the way? Yeah, that's fine. All right, that's what I like to hear. See, I nailed it. I'm two for six. I'm hitting three thirty-three. That's not too bad. That's a good a good average in major league baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the, I actually got it right this time, the sixth edition of Legend or Not, sponsored by ourselves. Are you guys ready to play Legend or Not? Yeah, let's do it. That's what I like to hear. I, I hear that a little excitement. I hear the inflection in your voice, Justin. I can hear it. Let's do it. Chad, I'm going to start off in the NBA for you, buddy. Athlete number one today, Jason Richardson, Legend or Not. Um, I'm going to say no. Uh, he's got a name, but I don't think it's big enough for the whole legend talk in all of NBA history. Uh, I pers- I do like Jason Richardson, though I do like Quentin Richardson more than Jason Richardson. So a little bit of bias there, too, as well. But I'm going to say no. Are those two brothers? Uh, don't know. Might be. Richardson's, Richardson's a, very a pretty common name, name but... Yeah. Um... Yeah. Quinn Richardson could shoot the light out of the ball, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, or Justin, how about you? Jason Richardson. Yeah, I'm along the same lines as Chad. I, w- I almost want to say I like Josh Richardson more than Jason Richardson. I don't know if that's disrespectful or not. A little but, bit. A uh, little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, 
great player, not a legend, and they'll go down in the annals of, of NBA basketball history. So, Steve, can you turn it down just Yeah, turn that, turn that down. <sighs> I'm the sorry. The trumpet was thought... getting a little loud, you know? Well, you know, I, I didn't realize that fancy trumpet would come out for us. How's that sound? You got to wait till the trumpet comes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And uh, by the way, Justin, I love the vocabulary term you use there, the annals of NBA lore. Um, but it was very disrespectful saying Josh Richardson's better than Jason. By the way, Jason Richardson is a slam better. dunk like champion. He said he likes him more. He didn't say he was better. Okay. Well, whatever. Opinion. Okay. Athlete number two. Hey, Chad, we're staking in the NBA again. Are they Brandon all NBA? Roy. What, what's that? Are they all NBA? They're not all NBA, but I went with some NBA guys first. Brandon Roy, legend or not? Um, I think last week we talked about Jamal Charles and just or the week before that, I don't know when Justin and I both said no due to longevity. Uh, I'm gonna say the same for Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy was actually at the time one of my favorite players to watch for the Trailblazers. Um, he had very, very good performances, however, his career was ended short due to injury. So, I'm gonna look at it the same way as Jamal. I mean, he was a known name in the league when he was playing, however. Um, a legend. I mean, I think it would be kind of unfair to me say Brandon Roy legend compared to Jamal, given the fact that Brandon Roy played a less amount of seasons. So, for you, Justin, Brandon Roy. Yeah, I'll say no as well. Um, it's comparable to the, the kind of Danny Granger ish um, stretch of oh, that's greatness. A, that's a good comparison. I shouldn't compare that one, not Jamal. But, uh, but yeah, I like to use that crossover to football. That was more more relatable i guess but yeah along again with chad um i'll say no yeah i'm by the way i'm just keeping my eye on this drake wichita state game two point game drake's up by two with under two minutes to go it's a big time game in the playing drake, game so far drake was down like 11 i'm watching oh, they it fought back yeah and wichita state, wichita state just got called for an offensive foul so this is off topic i don't want to get on a tangent however i'm not a fan of these these scoreboards this year take a look at two years ago the scoreboards two years ago you'll see why you're being big i might be i think i'm like 10 seconds ahead of you or something don't uh, spoil anything for me justin unlike last time we had to watch march madness together i'm at 40 seconds right now all right, athlete number three. We're going going to the NFL this time, and this guy you see him almost every day on the Pat McAfee show. AJ Hawk, legend or not? Hmm. No, I love I'm AJ gonna, Hawk. I'm gonna throw a factoid out here. He is the all-time leader in tackles in Green Bay Packer history, and there have been some great players in Green Bay Packer, Green Bay defense history. Yeah, think about his teammate Clay Matthews. You know, <laughs> guys like that, but um. It's tough because he's right. Like to be a legend, if you're in the Hall of Fame, you're automatically a legend, probably in most people's books. Um, but he's kind of one of those uh, players around the edge of Hall of Fame. Um, he had a really good career, like you said, all-time leading tackler, Pro Bowler. Um, you know, what? I'll champion. say yes. I'll say yes because I mean, he's a Buckeye legend for sure. I mean, college football, his. His uh, girlfriend at the time, Brady Quinn's sister, showed up to a Notre Dame Ohio State game with a jersey of half Brady Quinn, half AJ Hawk. Think about that. Just a, a side there, but uh, yeah, I'll say AJ Hawk for both 
um, NFL, especially college football history, he'll be a, a legend in my opinion. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Justin. Base, base, or especially because of the point you said, Steve, about the all-time leading tackler, right? In Green Bay yeah. history. Green Bay Packers. And I mean, you're playing. Yeah, you're playing with. I mean, guys like Clay Matthews and stuff. So not to be overshadowed in a way by Clay Matthews's greatness, and still have that, you know, that that record or that thing that you could hold on to. I mean, you're playing against, or you're playing with some good guys. You got some good competition. So I'll say yes. Very good. Athlete number four, we're going to Major League Baseball now. Troy Tulowitzki, legend or not? This is another guy I love. Great, um, great Rocky. Great Rocky, great fielder, gritty, tough. Um, had a little pop in the bat, just a team player. Um, and then he bounced around a little bit, right? He went to – he was with – He went to the Blue Jays. Jays. Yeah, the Blue Jays. Anybody else? Probably. Uh, I don't think anybody relevant, really, in terms of playing. But um, he was really good for a long time. He'll be – I don't know what he'll go down as as far as top whatever shortstop of all time, but I will say yes. I'll say yes. I'll say yes, given um, his legacy or his, his time in, at, uh, in Colorado. Um, you know, he was definitely a legend with – I mean, that team was stacked because that was the team with – Wait, right. Cargo, Carlos Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Nolan Arenado. Um, yeah, Charlie that, Blackman. Yeah, Charlie Blackman. That team was stacked. So he was, and he was definitely one of the best players on that team. Uh, so for Colorado wise, I'll say legend. And even for baseball, I could say legend. Athlete number five. Wait. Athlete number five. Uh, Big Sadrunas Ilgauskas, legend or not? This is tough. Say, I hate to be harsh. Yeah. Well, it's not tough because I know my answer, but it's tough to say because yes, he has a special place in my heart. Yes. Uh, he still lives around here. I believe he lives in Avon Lake somewhere. But um, the big man from, I think, Lithuania. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Um, love the guy. He was, I mean, unfortunately, he was LeBron's best teammate for a little while there <laughs> on the Cavs team. But, um, He's a Cavs legend. He will not be an NBA legend, even though he does have like a 95 rated player on 2K, my team that I had one year. I could shoot three. That was kind of of insane. But yeah, I agree with Justin. Cavs legend, though, looking at the whole NBA spectrum, not, I wouldn't say a legend in centers wise or player wise. Fair enough. Athlete number six, back to the NFL we go. Levante David, legend or not? Too early to tell is my answer. Really? I mean, he's only he's thirty, right, or something like that. He just won his he's first. Been to, I, he's been to seven Pro Bowls. It's pretty good. He just he just won a Super off Bowl a little bit with his uh, contract, right? So won a Super um, Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this: he's he's on his way. So if he continues his current pace, I mean, he just turned thirty, so might slow down a little bit. But if he plays like he did, maybe. Uh, I mean, that team is stacked for next year. I mean, I can't see anyone dethroning them necessarily. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm just watching this. Which is uh, oh, yeah. great game. Crazy if stuff if every on. game's anyway. like this, we are in for a great tournament. I'm with Justin, though. I'm going to say uh, no. Yet. Right now, no. He has a good resume right now, but I think 
get into that legendary status, he needs some more because there have been so many great linebackers in NFL history. Athlete number seven. Well, I don't, I don't know if this guy's an athlete. It's our, you know, special, unique athlete of the week. And we've had many of fun times talking about this gentleman. Justin, I think you know who I'm alluding to. Is it Joey Chestnut? Joey Chestnut, legend or not. Let me get my answer real quick because I got to I have to step out for a second. Joey Chestnut, no doubt about it. 100% a legend. Honestly, I mean, he could be in the argument for greatest athlete of all time. Big right there. How about you, Justin? Joey Chestnut. Wow. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself than uh, Jad just did. But, um, yeah, I don't know how many what, – what's the thing called that he wins? The, it's the, the Nathan Todd dog. Yeah, Nathan's. He's won it multiple times. He, he, he just keeps breaking his record. It's like – He's more than Bill Russell. Know, beating his, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're beating Bill Russell, then you're really talking. You're a big-time champ right there. It, it doesn't even come close. Good it's him, and then who else? No one. No. Should we wait for just or should we wait for Chad to come back? Probably. Probably. But so while we're while we're waiting, is Adam Richmond a a legend for his man versus food? You know, I, look, I loved watching man versus food. Him, I mean, he ate some of the stupidest things in the world. But um, I'm gonna say no. I like like I like him. He's nice. True, he was on the Travel Channel for a while. You know, he was kind of fun to watch. But I don't know if he's a legend. You know? But he's definitely accomplished some big eating feats, though. I mean, some of those spicy wings that he eats, some of those stupid hamburgers. I mean, I he had a team of 30 people eat a 180 pound burger. I mean, what in the Jeez. world is someone <laughs> doing eating a 180 pound burger? But Chad, you missed a great conversation. We talked about if Adam Richman from Travel Channel and his Man versus Food show was a legend or not. But um, if you wanted to put your input on that, Guy Fieri could be in that conversation. Though. I mean, whoa! I mean, Columbus literally should be named Flavor Town, right? <laughs> I mean, Diners, I don't want to play for the Flavor Town Blue Jackets. I mean, that's that guy eats all kind. That guy eats all kind of food. He could be in that conversation. Maybe we should start right. doing that. Like what a tier list of food network people. maybe just like not even food, food people we could just do like uh reality tv legend or not i mean gordon ramsay is by far the i mean the dudes from american pickers or something you know oh yeah frank and mike oh yeah yeah all stars i'll still i'm still making some lists for those yeah we can get real creative here in the dead spots of sports chumley right. from pawn stars <laughs> hey chumley's the man Chumley's in jail. Yeah, he's not the man. <laughs> I do not, not condone what Chumley yeah. has said or done. He's not the man. I think that's a good place to go back to our segment before we get off the rail. Um, all right, athlete number eight, heading back to Major League Baseball. Victor Martinez, legend or not? Uh, uh, I'll say no, um, just because I mean he had very good years with Cleveland, obviously and uh detroit for many years but um of recently he's still playing right he's still washed up i i yeah he's in the very end of his career with detroit he's kind of stunk the last few years so yeah uh, that's that's tough yeah i'd agree longevity can sometimes bite you in the ass to be honest uh if you keep playing and you're slow you're you're slowly um your, your, your value is slowly declining as a player, you know, you're kind of degrading the the talk of legend. Of course, he's a really, really good MLB player. 
Uh, MLB Legend. I'm going to say no. Fair enough. Let's get to athlete number nine, Chad. We're going back to NBA. J.R. Smith, legend or not? Come on, man. Well, really? <laughs> no. NBA no, Jr. J.R. Smith is not a legend in my eyes. Uh, when you talk about basketball, he's not. When you talk about social media or like memes, no doubt he is. Uh, but pure basketball play, he's a good player. Definitely he's had his ups and downs in his NBA career. But I look at him kind of like um, like a, a Nick Young type player, like a guy that's a serviceable NBA player, in my opinion. I know Nick Young's never won a – I don't think he's ever won a championship. Most serviceable players, but they're nowhere near legends. J.R. Smith with the New York Knicks was – Legend? I'm not saying legend. I didn't say that, but I'm saying he was real good. He was better. He was good. He's, he's, well, so was, his peak, J.R. peak, was way better than Nick Young. Well, so was Iman Shumper. He, Iman Shumper was good with the Knicks. J.R. was more impactful than Iman Shumper in his, right, Iman, in his at career. Iman Shumper, at least Iman Shumper played defense. Okay, but in terms of the overall career, J.R. Smith's been more impactful. He has, but I can't make an argument for him to be a legend. How about you, Justin? J.R. Smith? Um, I mean – no, but uh, there was a time where I mean, even before the Knicks, when he was on Denver, he was he had some great dunks that were awesome to watch. He was very athletic, and then he I just developed, what? Sorry, to cut, you know, I'll keep going. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Uh, I just yeah, go ahead. Sorry, uh, <laughs> you keep on stuttering, and I keep on going to say something. And then I just go. I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. Sorry, my bad. I'm just looking at like how can we consider J.R. Smith. I'm not saying this is a dumb question at all because it's actually a good one. Makes you think. But if we're looking at all all shooting guards in NBA history, and then we look at Jr. and think he like we have an argument to make him a legend, like I just I don't I don't I don't know. Hey, I'm just trying to lead a conversation. No, I didn't. I know I didn't say it was your fault. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. By the way, Drake has beaten Wichita State. So whoever picked Wichita to beat USC, uh, bracket's already busted. Uh, Justin, good, good, good for the Bulldogs. I didn't have to pick between the two six teams. No, he said whoever I mean. picked Wichita State to beat USC. Maybe Drake will beat him. Maybe Drake will beat him. Drake beat him. No, maybe Drake will beat USC. Oh. Oh. Yeah, maybe. All right. Our final athlete for this segment of Legend or Not Ryan Fitzpatrick, Legend or Not. No. <laughs> Sorry. Love the guy. Love his his magic of recent years, but I'm sorry. Um, he barely started for the Texans in like the late two thousands and then has bounced around as a backup for like 10 years. But I mean, you're doing something good. If you stay in the league that long um, and are able to stick around as a backup and mentor young guys, but that doesn't make you a legend. I mean, you're going to put him in the same sentence as, Brady and Manning and, I mean, even Rivers, Breeze, all those guys, no, unfortunately not. But um, seems like a great guy and uh, was a serviceable backup and fringe starter in the league for a long time. So props to him. Yeah, I look I look at it, this is the same way as J.R. Smith. I say no. He's been in the league for a, a, a long time. However, he was never like – like, I've, I guess he was that guy some years. However, like Justin was alluding to, 
like a backup fringe starter. That's kind of what JR is. So I'll well, say no. you know, I'm going to make this argument for Ryan. I'm not saying he's a legendary in terms of his play, but he will always be remembered. Like you will never forget Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic. That's why. Hey, that's why I say it's like Jr. Jr. will never be forgotten ever. Especially in He'll Cleveland. Well, in Cleveland. well, yeah, maybe because we're Cleveland fans. But if you're a fan of the Pelicans, you're not going to remember Jr. Smith as the normal fan right off the bat. Which for no, me, but I, I'll remember Fitzpatrick, of... even though he's never played for the Browns. Yeah. So, but you know, I understand what you're saying. So that is it. That was our sixth segment of Legend or Not. Thank you, you both, for playing. And thank you to our sponsors, ourselves. All right. I'll turn off this music now because you're probably tired of listening to that fancy little trumpet that's going on in the background. There we go. I'll turn that one off, and we're back to our discussion. So is there anything else you guys want to spit out? Um, I mean, the other thing I saw today that's, that was interesting was with um, – the Browns bringing in Anthony Walker uh, to the building to, I guess, offer him a contract or something. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping a deal gets done for a linebacker, uh, preferably Anthony Walker, being that he is so young and he was the Mike linebacker for the Colts last year and played very well. So uh, that would really add another veteran at the Mike. And then we could go in the draft and uh, again, not to spoil who I want them to take in the first round, maybe address the linebacker, either inside or outside. How about you, Chad? Anything else on your mind? Nope. No. Come on, Chad. I have nothing going on then. All right. School. Well, you, That's what I got. Hey, you know what? I will say this. We have generated a lot of content over the past week. Filled out a bracket. Talked with Andre Nott and Tim Alcorn. By the way, thank you to Tim Alcorn once again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Um. And also, we'd like to say this, you know, with March Madness starting tomorrow, we would like to, and the brackets are becoming locked, we'd like to thank everybody who donated to our Around the Wire March, Mad- March Madness charity challenge. Um, the proceeds are going to go towards a very deserving family. And uh, you, as a participant, have a chance at winning some nice money. So we really do appreciate all the donors, uh, whether they were just donors or in the bracket challenge itself. We really do appreciate all the proceeds that were put towards our cause. And um, let's hope that we get ourselves a very exciting tournament because of based on the first two games that we've watched of the first four games, man, if they're like this every single game, March Madness is going to be wild. So um, yeah, so shout out to the donor, shout out to Tim Alcorn. And uh, next time we're going to be on the air with you guys, we will be talking well, we, we get into some of the March Madness, see if there's any been any big upsets that have happened, um, how our brackets are looking, you know, because I guarantee you there will probably be four or five bracket busters. I hope OU can pull it out against Virginia or else my bracket is screwed. But um, we'll maybe get into some of the free agency moves, the Browns. Maybe they bring some other players in, re-sign some guys. We'll have to see. And um, we'll just get back to you guys as soon as we can. So um, with that, for Justin... For Chad, for Steve, this has been the Around the Wire crew, and we will see you all next time.